you learn from your failures. You wouldn't be standing here, you and I today, if we hadn't have had our respect. We would never have learned to get back on our feet again and go forward and do the next project that took us to these two points where you're sitting there today. I'm here today. It's just the way of life and you learn your greatest skill set through your failures. Take all the crappy stuff and make it good stuff in the next project and keep going forward. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here with Kathy Haish, and she has a highly successful management career across the special events, music, and broadcasting industries. But she also has a lot to tell us about how to get past the failure and how to have that mindset of success. She is in this Course Correct book, which is co-authored with Pat Masidi, and her website is lionroarsmanagement.com. She's a business manager. So Kathy, glad to be talking to you. Hey, Robert, pleased to meet you as well. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, and right back at you. So what is your current passion project and what do you think the world needs to know about? Okay, my passion project right now is called Songwriter, the Great Southern Song Comp. It's a songwriting competition. It's a global competition. What was happening was after the pandemic hit, I'm in Australia. What happened is after the pandemic hit, everything in the event the music industry, the entertainment industry, everything absolutely closed down. It was a government mandate because no one knew what COVID was going to happen, what it was going to be, what it wasn't going to be, et cetera. So boom, it all went out like a light. Then after the pandemic kind of moved over, I kept bumping into all these people. They were totally random people I'd never met before, musicians and songwriters and artistic type of people of all ages. And the one thing that came through was, hey, there's nothing for us anymore. We have to readapt go into another industry or, hey, look, I've just finished school. I always wanted to be a songwriter and a musician, but my mother wants me to go into law because she says the industry's gone for music. You'll never make a career out of it. Be sensible. I'm paying for your university degree. Go and be a lawyer. So all this was going on and I'm thinking, what the hell is happening? So I thought, what can I do? And I thought, I've got this business background in the music industry and the radio broadcasting industry. And I thought, I've got to take that knowledge and somehow flip it somewhere to help people. Cutting a long story short, I then went, great, a songwriting competition is definitely something that appeals to the masses, whether you're a history and heritage artist, whether you're a newbie who just is battling their mum on how to not do law or do law and still do music. So that's how it was born. It's just been launched. I've got some wonderful judges. I've got uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter from Steely Dan, the Derby Brothers. I've got Steve Pilby, who is an Australian singer-songwriter, but he's well-known throughout the world for his band the church and also Mark Gable, a similar situation, Australian singer-songwriter, but also well-known for his band, The Choir Boys. So there's a lot more people also involved, but that's just three of them. So it's like you write your song, you can send it in. It doesn't need to be specially recorded. It's just simply an MP3 and a note with the lyric sheet on it and off you go. And so you can send that through to www.greatsouthernsongcom.com for the entries there. So that's what it's all about. That's the passion project. That seems like a fun idea. And so you said that COVID, because COVID stopped a lot of aspiring musicians from pursuing their dream, what was COVID the only thing that kind of triggered this for you? Or was this like a plan you had ahead of time? Would you have done it if COVID didn't happen? What's the story there? Good question. Don't know the answers, really. It was brought about by the impact of what happened during the two years of the pandemic that hit us really badly here in Australia. I know that it was much worse overseas, but we had this situation here. 
And I was just witnessing all of this firsthand from all these people I was just randomly bumping into. And I thought, I'm getting a message here. And then I'm thinking, what can I do to help these people? And that's when I came into this headspace of the songwriting, because I've known songwriters and worked with songwriters professionally all my life. It, to me, it was just a natural progression from what I knew to what they needed. And I thought if I can put two together and make it like a business platform, but also very exciting because you write your song, it's creative. The prize pool is over $10,000 Australian. There's first, second and third prizes, which are announced on the 1st of April next year. And uh, there's also lots of interim awards as well. Like we've got a motivation award at the moment, which is $1,000 Australian. Someone has to win it. So someone has to enter to win it. So, you know, it goes to help someone's career somehow, whether they use it for shooting film clip, whether they use it for recording studio time, whatever it is they want to do with it, it's their choice. But if you don't have a choice, you can't really start off chess forward. So everyone has to go forward. And in my head, I was thinking this is a way forward for so many people that I know and I don't know. And that's what's happened. Great. And so with any kind of project like this, there's the chicken and the egg problem, right? There's, we need to get people on board, but then sometimes they hesitate if there's not, if it's not established. And so was there any of that or was it just, you say there's the cash prices, you have all these connections in the music industry. Was it, is it easy to get people to participate or do you have to constantly be networking and marketing to make this thing happen? You have to be constantly networking and marketing, no matter what it is you're doing in the business realm. It's just, that's it, full stop. Whilst I was very lucky, I could pull in some really very valuable judges to the project, which of course gave it kudos to talk about it to mums and dads who have got maybe young children who want to be songwriters or an artist who is maybe considering, should I even stay in the industry because I haven't worked for two years, that sort of thing. So that helped, but you've got to still do all the nuts and bolts because without the nuts and bolts, it's like your business without the nuts and bolts, there wouldn't be a business. So you have to do it. So I'm no different. I have to do it. So whether it's on socials, whether it's this podcast, whatever it is, you just got to basically do it. You just pull together a checklist and boom, off you go and you tick them off. You don't always get them all ticked off in a neat order because life gets in the way. But what you do is you just do the best that you can with every single day that you have. And some days you might only be able to allocate an hour to whatever it is, but you do it and you just get it done. And then at the end of the week, you can sit back and you can reflect and you can go, yeah, okay, cool. That's great. I've done all of that. I've got a great team that I'm working with, which is really helpful because I don't necessarily have expertise in everything because no one simply does. You've got to find the right people and make it all work and just make it all flow. And as I say, the ability to be able to have hindsight and look back at the end of each week and go, I've missed this. I now need to do something about this and what can I do? And if it means learning a new skill set to do it, you find someone and you get them to very quickly train you on Zoom and then you do it. Whatever has to be done, just get it done and go for it. Fantastic. Problem solving. So you're saying that basically the very simple but often overlooked key to success is to have your task list or your to-do list, have your plan, have your strategy, have those things that you know that you want to do, and then find the time and the focus to do it. And check off what you can, and then have the team to help you, to educate you, to also fill in the gaps and to do the, all that other work that you just didn't have time or the skill or the patience for. And then also week by week, look back and look at your progress so that we have that encouragement, but you also know 
how to continue forward and how to improve. And, and so I imagine that being with all your years in the music industry, you must have seen like some crazy work ethic because as with musicians, like they have to always be practicing, always performing. And if you dial back on that, then your skill decreases or you always see celebrities like Madonna. How many times in her lifetime is she going to be like coming back again? But then you also hear about when musicians go on tour, they're on tour for years at a time. Am I on the right track there that like the work ethic and the kind of like the drive with a lot of these musicians, it's like, it's like nothing you've ever seen, right? Absolutely. Like I, I'm going to take an artist like Sting. I haven't worked with Sting for a long time, but I did work with Sting when he first had his solo career through the Frontier Touring Company that taught him in Australia. And that was my connection there to his knowledge. And I have to say that he was a school teacher before he became the lead singer of a band called The Police. And then he went out solo as Sting. We had this major press conference in Sydney, Australia. And you've got to appreciate that Sting, when he was absolutely huge at the time, still is. And this press conference was going, for some reason, I don't know why or how, because I, I work behind the scenes and everything that I do. But for some reason, the young lady who was the national publicist for the tour just wasn't in the room at the nanosecond that this press conference began. And I was the only person from the touring company who was there at that nanosecond. So suddenly I've taken on the role of a headspace of a publicist. And we're doing this press conference and everything's going fine. And then at the end of it, Sting looks at me and he said, Kathy, can you wrap this up? And he must have seen my face after years of having students as a school teacher, because I probably have looked at him going, what the f are you talking about? And I'm thinking in my head as I'm looking at this man, I'm thinking, he wants me to wrap it up. What the hell does he want me to do? Anyway, cutting a long story short, he then just said, leave it with me, like a hand up gently. He smiled. He was totally professional. He turned around to all the media who were all vying for a bit of a more question here, more question here. And he just said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. This is a wrap. At the end of the press conference, I really enjoyed being here and I'll catch you all next time. Anyway, and as he got up to leave, he took all his papers off the desktop with him. He turned around and walked towards me and said to me very quietly and with his back to everyone else so no one else could see him or my face. And he said, Kathy, you've learned something today. That's how you do a wrap. Nice. So, get, you know, get it done quickly. Get it over. Yeah, with. yeah, yeah, exactly. So the point of that is to show you that these people are highly professional. They know exactly what's going on in their world, even if they're not on stage gigging. They know what's going on behind the scenes and with the media, with the touring companies, etc. And they know what is being done and where it's being done because they've been on the road for so long. It's high professional standard. So they're fully versed in it and they keep going and they have a business ethic, which is just as great and as powerful as, let's say, for example, the prime minister of the UK, the prime minister of the USA, et cetera. They have an amazing work ethic, which is never really seen because people just basically hear whatever it is they've produced or someone has produced for them, as the case may be in terms of music. So they never get the full appreciation of the enormity of the businesses that they drive and they do they keep literally hundreds and hundreds of people in business inside their world of touring when they tour live for years they go on the road and it's like a family that goes out and everyone has their job and everyone gets a salary and it's just an enormous wheel that turns and it's a business wheel i imagine that it's probably on purpose for these musicians to 
to make, to project that, oh, it's no work at all, right? I just have this talent and people just love me. And I just, I show up in the concerts completely set up. Like it's cooler and more mysterious that way. If you think about someone like, I don't know, like Sting or like Michael Jackson or Prince or someone, you just think, oh, they're just being themselves and they're just you know, picking up the guitar or they're just singing. They're just magically loved by all. But I, like you're saying, there's so much, there's, it's like the iceberg. There's so much work in it that you don't see in order to make it look easy. Oh, absolutely. I was lucky enough with Michael Jackson where he toured Australia to meet him. And I was totally blown away because he, his presence was so humble. And we're talking someone at that point who hadn't gone through the future debacle that had happened in the media. He was someone who was at the top of his game at that time. And it was phenomenal because he just was this absolutely humble musician. This is what he was. He wasn't an ogre. He wasn't a megalomaniac. He wasn't a loudmouth person. He was just this humble, quiet, spoken young man who simply had a passion for music. And his music at that time had hit a great spot, a very high spot. And I was totally blown away by his, his humility. He was so polite. He was so kind. He couldn't do enough for me. He didn't even know me, for goodness gracious sake, in terms of what I did for work. You know what I mean? I just happened to get a ride in the bus that Sony had provided time to go to the gig and I happened to get out of the bus and I was backstage. But he had no idea who I was, but he was so polite and he was so kind and so attentive. I felt like I had met up with a long lost family member or something. He was just so good. And when all the bad stuff happened later in his life, I was quite perplexed because I thought this is not the person that I met. And I'm pretty good with reading people. When I first meet someone, I pick up the vibe of who they are and who they're not. So for me, that's how I've always been with first introduction. So I was quite sure years later. And I thought, no, this is not the man that I've met. And these are some cool stories that you're sharing. And I feel like we're getting almost like a, a list of attributes of the best things that we can learn from these musicians, right? We talked about the good work ethic. And then with this story, just the importance of being kind and humble and attentive and just noticing people and don't be too good for it. And so can you give me maybe like a, a third story or a third quality that we should all aspire to that you've picked up over, over all, all the years and all these crazy fun stories you have? I think that the one that is the most fascinating is a guy called George Thorogood. And George Thorogood has been around for a long time and he's an absolutely consummate musician and professional. He, I'd never met him before. I had to do his tour. So we went out to dinner, with, as you do with record companies and publishing companies and stuff, heaps of people. And he just sat there and I just said to him, what makes you tick? And he said to me, I just love what I do. And I am driven by the passion of writing songs. And I'm driven by the passion of performing songs. And life is too short. I just want to have a good time in the best possible way. And I'm doing this. And I can't believe that I've got the luck on my side to be able to do everything I want to do and to do it really well. So he was at the top of his game at the time. And he still is at the top of his game now. And in America, it's wonderful because people are applauded as performers for continuing to work and work and work as they get into the history and heritage years of their lives. In Australia, it's a little bit different. We're a little bit picky and finicky, and we tend to almost have a news by date on performers, which is so wrong. But I know in America, the American people just love 
live performances and they love their artists to keep going and continuing to produce wonderful music for them to enjoy. So that was an amazing time with George Thorogood because from that I learned if you want to have a certain thing in life that business perhaps or it could be creative like songwriting I don't have a bar in my body that does all of that but the business side I have so I learned very early in the piece if I had a vision I could fulfill that vision and make all the pieces fit and work so it's a bit like the beginning of our interview where I was talking about my checklist having a strategy sitting back at the end of the week and going I missed that or why didn't I see that I should have done that I'll do that next week etc so you just have to almost focus and almost create your checklist, whether it's the biggest checklist in the world of your big goal, or whether it's just a small project that you've got parked over here that you want to put it front and center over here. That's great. So you found your passion. And like you said, there's like the, there's like the passion and the talent and like the skill and the circumstance. And we're not all musicians. I mean, very few people are, but what's really cool about what you discovered is that you can be like music adjacent, right? You can say, even though I'm really good with the business and the being organized and the taking action and delegating, and you say, I can still choose to be in that music industry, even though you're not Michael Jackson, but you can still be in that whole world. And so as far as you kind of tapping into these strengths, is this something that you figured out early on or did you have some trial and error and some false starts or what was your journey like? Because like we've said in some of these stories, you've mentioned, you've met some of these amazing people, but like, how did you get your start? How did you make it big in this industry? I just got very lucky very early in the piece. Doors opened up for me, professional doors opened up for me in a way that I could never have perhaps foretold, but they did. And every time a door opened up, I took the opportunity to walk through it. The trick is not to have any fear. That's easier said than done. I fully acknowledge and embrace that. But the trick is not to have any fear. In the time that I started in the music business, women just didn't do the things that I ended up doing because it was a man's world, no offense, Robert. And it's still essentially in a lot of areas is, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just how the planet evolved after the various World War Ones and World War Twos and so on. I'm not criticizing anyone or any industry. So I was just lucky. I got people who gave me an opportunity. There was a gentleman in Sydney called Steve White and a gentleman called Michael Chug who had a business and they needed someone to come in. It was an artist touring business and a management business. And I basically had just done one job after school and this opportunity came up and I thought, oh, I'll try, see how I go. And I got in the front door and I was offered the position and I've never, ever looked back. And Michael Chug has been a, an amazing mentor to me over the years and still is even today. So yes, I learned, I've just been lucky. I've learned so much. I've fallen into the right place at the right time. Yes. It does happen. And when it does happen, the trick is not to have any fear because then you can grasp these opportunities when they come your way and you can make them work. Yeah, there's been a few failures along the way, but that's life. You learn from your failures. You wouldn't be standing here, you and I today, if we hadn't have had our respective failures, because we would never have learned to get back on our feet again and go forward and do whatever the next project is that took us to these two points where you're sitting there today. I'm here today. It just, it's just the way of life. And you do, you learn your greatest skill set through your failures. That's what you've got to do. You've got to take all the crappy stuff and make it good stuff in the next project and keep going forward. I agree completely. And in the same way that the songwriters, they use their stress and their drama and their own failures. And it, sometimes it, it turns into music, it turns into songs. And, and they say things like, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. They say things like, 
if somebody offers you the seat on the rocket ship, don't ask which seat, just get on the rocket ship. All these cheesy things, but it works, right? And it's what comes to mind when you're mentioning some of these things where you say, take the, when the doors open, go through it and you might feel the fear, but you just, you need to go through it anyway, because it's part of your life path, your destiny, and it will make you a stronger person, even if it's stressful, even if you have no idea what you're doing. And so you gave us a little bit of that tease about your failures. So is there a failure that you feel like sharing with us? Because that's the most interesting part, right? That's the most interesting stories when you really panicked, messed up, were unsure of where to continue. So does anything come to mind as far as a failure, a struggle, a panic moment for you? I think that my failure, if I had to say that there was one, I was very lucky in the time that I worked with Sting, I got to meet his tour manager, Kim Turner. And this went on for a few years because we did various tours and stuff in Australia. And then I then went my separate ways from the touring company. It was all quite amicable. I just went on to do other stuff in the music biz. As you do when you're searching for various pathways, you move on. And I got the opportunity through Kim Turner. He circled back into my world and he said to me, I've just picked up this artist that I'm going to manage, but I need someone to help me because he's actually based in Australia, would be like his personal manager. I will be the business manager. Will you do this? Anyway, so I thought about it for a few days and came back and said, oh, that's fine. We went into business that way, which was great. And then I looked after the Australian artists. But what happened was that at times, being within the Amazon, he was a great believer in climate change before climate change became climate change. He was very proactive in a lot of these areas. And of course, the Amazon is very important for the globe in terms of what we now decree as climate change. So Sting got a performance to do there in the jungle. Kim Turner has to go with him. He's the tour manager. I fully understand all of that. And circumstances inside the Amazon, I can't recall whether it was bad weather or something like that. It was like an act of God that happened, but Sting was there longer than he was meant to be. And Kim couldn't leave. No one could leave. They were stuck physically where they were. So I was then here in Australia looking after this act and things just didn't work out. They were doing a film clip. I was in Sydney, they were in Melbourne and I couldn't, I was working at a radio station. I couldn't get the time off that was needed to go down to Melbourne for this film clip because they needed to have someone there. And all the acts that I'd looked after over the years had always done their own film clips and I'd never been needed to be there. So I wasn't thinking I need to be there. So anyway, that all went down and that happened. They did their film clip. And I think that there were a few upheavals here and there. But of course, I was in Sydney working at my radio job and they were in Melbourne troubleshooting their own film clip. So at the end of all of that, cutting very long story short, I then had to part ways with Kim Turner and the band because the band weren't happy which is fine. That's just life in the big smoke. But of course, the band is Crowded House and I adore Neil Finn's music. I absolutely love it. Prior to that, I worked a lot with Michael Chugg, the tour promoter in Australia I spoke of earlier with the band called Split End and Neil Finn's brother, Tim Finn, if you like, was like the leader of the band called Split End. So I'd had a lot of sort of Finn family in my background. 
when the opportunity with Kim Turner came up to work on this Australian band, I was so excited. But of course, my time with Crowder Health was very short, which is such a shame because I absolutely adore their music, even to today. And I always wish them the greatest of success. And I've been their greatest champion on socials and what have you, because you never have bad blood. Life is too short for bad blood. You just get on with it and you do your best and you give back as much as you can to everyone. It's what it's all about. But yeah, that's the only thing in terms of like failure or regret that I have is that I couldn't carry that one forward. Everything else in my life I've carried forward and it's all been fabulous. But that one, just because of circumstances, I couldn't and they couldn't. And it was all very amicable. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, so that's it. And sometimes these things happen, right? Sometimes you have to part ways and that's okay because another opportunity will come along. As long as your life's not just a train wreck of messing up and, and parting ways, like that's a whole different story. But sometimes just timing's bad or projects don't work out, but there's something more along the horizon as long as you alluded to here, as long as you learn from it and continue forward and be a better person. And so you have the songwriting competition, Great Southern Song Comp. Dot com. And do you have any other just new, exciting projects on the horizon or anything else you feel like promoting today? That's as much as I can do at the moment. I tell you, it's taken me about nine months to get that together. We've only just launched it a couple of weeks ago and it does go into April of next year. So this is my main, my main flagship at the moment. I don't have the ability to do six or seven things simultaneously. Although I still do my radio gig and still work in broadcasting behind the scenes at the same time, but that's, that's, we all do stuff like that. I know you do, you have multiple projects running at the same time, but you know, the song comp is the, the new one and it's the main one at this point in time. Don't wish any more on me. I've got enough on the plate. I'll do, but that's good. It's like, it seems like you have your main project and your focus. And at least for me, that's more easily doable to have the pecking order, right? To have the hierarchy instead of saying, I've, if my day was like equally split between these five things, I would just always be putting out fires. But if I say, here's the main job and here are these small, tiny things that I do just to keep things rolling. Like you said, like the broadcasting, things like that, you have your kind of more minor jobs and that's okay, but there's your main focus, your main passion and drive. You have your main project. And I imagine that there are many aspiring musicians who maybe are, are this way, right? Maybe they have the, maybe not the law career, but maybe they have something right now to have their income coming in while their music career takes off. So that, but it's not like an equal distribution between their time throughout the day. Oh, look, absolutely. And I would encourage anyone around the world, whether they're a songwriter or a musician or a combination of both, I would encourage all of them to have a separate day job. Because in music, it's really hard to break through unless you have what is called a commercial hit. You are not going to make commercial revenue. Bottom line is that if you want to make big bucks, you've got to have big talent. That's fine, but it is a bit of a gamble. That's how the industry's always been, despite technology changes and Spotify's and Apple's and Amazon's and so on. It is very much a case that you have to support yourself. You have to put food on the table. You have to pay the electricity bill, the gas bill, et cetera, and so on, and get a car and go to gigs, what have you. So you've got to be able to do all of this. And if you have a young family in tow at the same time, you've got to put food on the table for the family. You've got to pay the rent or you've got to buy the house or whatever it is you've got to do. And so you do, you need a full daytime gig, like a normal nine to five gig to be able to support the creative side of your artistic career. So they do go hand in hand. You cannot split them and separate them. 
And unless you have that commercial success where you can turn around and say, for example, like a Sting or a George Flower are good, and you can say, I'm going to do this now full time. That's great. I'm sure for Sting, when he was a school teacher before he became known in this fabulous band called The Police, why? There would have been that transition period where he was probably still teaching at school and doing gigs on the weekend, that sort of thing. Everyone goes through it. So please, everyone, do work, do a day job. I call it a day job. Do it because you need it to be able to feed all the artistic wheels that sit around you. And that, that way, if you don't get the commercial revenue back from the, having a hit song, which is what it's all about at the end of the day, if you don't get that, then your life still goes on and you can still do all your artistic pursuits on the side. It's not a big issue, but you've got to be able to feed your family, feed yourself and look after yourself. It's very important for mental health to be able to do that. I like that a lot. It's very practical. It's a good strategy. And that way you don't have all your eggs in one basket. As they say, you're not just gambling at all at it. This one song or this one year has to make it work. This way you have a backup plan and it's like you have options. You can think things through like the, the day job does not have to be prison or a crutch. It can just be like, I'll be at this day job until I, I make it big or until my music makes this amount of money or this number of years or are given that this number of songs or this number of, of concerts, this way you can just, and it might be more work, but it's just, you know, what you have to do, what we all have to do in order to get the job done. And greatsouthernsongcomp.com. And I know that we explained it, we plugged it at the beginning, but as people remember the, the ends very much. Can we do one last push? And if someone out there is saying, Kathy gave some great advice, but I'm still not sure. I still might hesitate about, about taking part in this songwriting competition. What can we say to the audience out there to really push them to do it? Because as sometimes people are just hesitating or something else comes up, but what can we say to really sell this project and to get someone to take action and send their song in? Okay. If you can write a song, even if you're not a professional songwriter, but if you can write a song, you can record an MP3, you can put together a lyric sheet as a PDF, and you can send in your entry. Why should you do it? Because you have this opportunity to do it. Opportunities only come by one at a time. And if you don't grab it by the proverbials, you'll never, ever know. And you do not want to be sitting back in six months' time when on April the 1st, 2023, the first prize winner is announced and the second and the third and you haven't even put your entry in. You just don't want to do that. You want to try. If you don't try, you will never, ever know. So just get it done. Do it now. I love it. Don't even think about it. Do it now. You can't win if you don't try. GreatSouthernSongComp.com. And should we leave it at that or do you have any final parting words of advice? Advice, I would say, look, seriously, whatever you're doing in life, enjoy it. You've got one moment here. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the actual real live gig of our lives. Robert, you're now. I'm here now. Whatever we do now is what we stand accounted for. And when you fluff it and you're on the other side and we pass over, we all want to look back and go, I tried. I did it. I tried. I did it. Yay. I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> 